0: Can we, can we, you can sit down, and we're going to pray. <sighs> Holy Spirit, we call upon you to come and visit us tonight. Yes. Fill this sanctuary, fill these pews, fill our lives, fill our hearts, fill our heads with the knowledge of, of your truth, of your wise counsel. Lord, let us no longer be satisfied with just good enough, not satisfied any longer, with just information, Lord, we would pray that your truth would come down upon us tonight, that as we study your word, that your word is proclaimed, that we might joyfully accept what you are wanting us to do and what you are moving in our midst to do. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. I'm already worn out now. Okay. We're going to study the first half of the chapter. We're going to study the whole chapter, the first chapter of Acts, but um, just a little. That really does echo. Okay. So, with the exception of Bill, Bill has to wait at least five seconds after I ask this to, to come in, but... What does, the, what does the word or the name Theophilus mean? In the, in the first verse or so, it says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all Jesus began to do and teach. Who is Theophilus? What does that mean? Okay. Theophilus, and I'm sure Bill knows this too. Theophilus, broken apart... Um, if I just take phileus what, what does philea sound like what is it philosophy what else there, there's a city called Philadelphia okay talks about talks about love okay uh, a brotherly <laughs> uh, a communal love theo is the is the greek word for god so translated it is you who love god those who love god Theo is the Greek word for God. Theo, like the, the, theology, theological, those types of things. Okay. And then it says in the first book, what was the first book? Who can tell me wh- who wrote the book of Acts? i going to blow your mind apart. The book of Acts is written by Luke, the same author of the book of Luke. Luke was not one of the 12 disciples. Luke, as we will find, because in Acts you hear the the term we a lot, especially when we get into talking about Paul. Luke was a disciple who was following around Jesus and all sorts of other things, writing the book, and then also followed Paul on his excursions in uh, Mesopotamia and all sorts of other places, and throughout the, uh, the the Middle East, for it outside of Jerusalem and Israel and, and Judah. So, with that said, um, the first—it's oh, not up there yet. I'll wait. Okay. Um, are you going to give me this? You're tired of me. I'm, I'm done. Okay. <laughs> They always say the, <laughs> They always say the more things change, the more they stay the same. So, okay, I'm going to get rid of this because I'm going to trip over it at some point. Okay, so if we look back, what uh, what Luke says in the first is in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. A couple things to draw out. Where do you hear terms of 40 days? Where else do we hear 40 days about? Jesus was tempted for 40 days. The, the period of time... From from the, the resurrection until what we're going to look into is the ascension of Jesus into heaven. It's 40 days. And this was all within the, the season, and that's where we're going to get the whole Pentecost. How many of you knew that Pentecost is not a is not a Christian term? Pentecost was a Jewish celebration, and that was when the Spirit would come down. But it was not something that was uniquely. It wasn't like you know Christmas and and throwing it in wherever we wanted to and to be able to deserve it. It was at a unique time, just like Easter is in in, um, in coordination or in, in relationship to the Passover. It is it is a static piece having to do with certain amount of times after the resurrection. So that's little information, um, and. Verse 4 says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, if you ever want to know, we can go back to Luke, the third chapter, 16 through 22, is when... When John actually talks about this he's, he says you know they, they ask are you the Messiah are you the, the, the promised one and he says that you know there is one coming after me that is, that is greater than I whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie I baptize you with water but he will baptize you with with power the Holy Spirit and fire and then later is of course how, how Jesus is, uh, is, receives that as well there is a, a tie together that that few of us really, because it's such long books, to, to think of that. We don't necessarily go one to the next and really kind of read it like a like a two two book you know novel or that type of thing. Um, what we find is that there is a lot of commonality between how the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus on that day and how the Spirit of God descends upon the disciples at the Day of Pentecost. And upon the, the others that would come in. And that's where we get the, the whole baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is truly an immersion. And uh, I, I, f- I will admit, as a nice, as a nice former Methodist, um, I, I often fought the whole thing of being immersed. But the idea of baptism truly is a true immersion. It's not just a symbol. It's not just, you know, throw some water on someone. It's the, it's the true symbol of being immersed in, in forgiveness, in, in purity, in anything else that, that God wants to give, just as the Holy Spirit, then we are immersed within that, that Holy Spirit. Okay, so in the Ascension, starting with, with verse 6, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority... But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Okay, say this with me. You will receive power. I can't hear you. You will receive power. You will be my witnesses. Okay. In Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth... And then I'm going to refer to the rest, but there's nothing really inspirational to, to bring out of Matthias being chosen over Judas. But we're going to get to that. The and I, I talk about John Wesley a lot, and I if you don't like it, you're just going to get over it. But John Wesley was an Anglican minister in the Church of England in the 1700s. He came out of a family of ministers. His father Samuel. was a a minister in the Anglican church. His mother, Susanna, was a very devout woman of God. There are books written about her. I've had professors write those books about him. I got the autograph, not of Susanna, of course, but the writer. And going over the life of John Wesley, he had been a minister that was trained at Oxford. He had studied theology at Oxford. He had founded... The, the, the society uh, that, that would have an organized way. They believed, you know, you, you prayed at certain times during the day, that, that, a, that a true disciple, one that was seeking after God earnestly, would order his life, his or her life, in a way so that, so that God was being observed and God was being worshipped in a, in a, well, we'll say methodical fashion. Do you understand now where the Methodists came from? Methodism, oh, yes, go on. I, 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 think we, I think we've definitely become far less ordered, but I think that with this as well is that... Um, have you ever heard that, that sermon example where basically you, you have a bunch of big rocks and you've got a smaller rocks and you've got even smaller rocks and then you've got gravel and then you've got sand and the, and the idea and they give you a big gallon pickle jar and they say, you know, to put all those together... And so people go, go in the order and they, they put the sand in and then they put the others in and put all, all that there and you can't get the big rocks in. And the other way around is that the way to get everything in is to be able to take the, the bigger rocks and put those in and then you put the smaller rocks and you put those in places and then you put the, the gravel in and then you put the sand in and then you can fill it with water and you have that, that entire thing filled and there is nothing left over. I think in a lack of order to our to our our spiritual lives in our our pursuit of what God wants us to do, is we put all the sand in first, and we don't we don't allot the time we don't we don't give the 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 proper place for those big rocks because the fact is, if if we are in Christ, that needs to be the first thing that we that we go into that that's how that's how we go to work that's how we deal with our kids that's how we deal with our marriages that's how we deal with our friends that's how we deal with frustrations that's everything else and so many of us will push those to the end that then all we all we do is put in an hour and a half on a Sunday morning and walk out the door and wonder why we still don't feel really refreshed or we don't feel like God's really doing anything it's because on top of that when we walk into worship we're not prepared for worship, we're not anticipating worship, we are not preparing ourselves to worship, but instead we are simply doing it as yet another thing that we scheduled in. And we pat ourselves on the back to say, well, I, I, I went to worship this morning, but we really didn't do anything to worship God, and therefore God didn't have the opportunity. And I don't want to I don't want to make this again as a as a quid pro quo that God only blesses us if we if we praise Him. But that is the that is the channel that God gives that that ability for us to be blessed through, is that when we are worshiping Him, when we are putting our lives in complete submission. There's there's a, a place in here where um, we usually hear "Lord" as you know this this honorable one, but there is a, a word translated from uh, from the Greek that 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 ex- resembles the word "despot." It's actually it's it's the actual word where we get "despot." It is the sovereign God, the one who we completely submit to. Who is, who is in control of all things, changes the minds of kings, uh, bows everyone before him, who is, who is an absolute, sovereign lord, ruler. And that is the one that we are to be worshiping on a Sunday morning or any other time. The, the idea when, when we talk about praying, we're supposed to pray without ceasing. We're supposed to do all these things without ceasing and to write God's word. All of these things all come back to the idea that our worship is what we do with our lives. And we can worship God the same on a Sunday morning as we do... Let's try, Let's trade that around. We can worship God on a Monday afternoon when traffic is terrible. I don't know the traffic's really that terrible around here, I'm just going to tell you. But I've been in bad traffic. As we can worship God as much in the heat of traffic as we do on a Sunday morning. We can, we can worship God as intently with our lives as we parent or as we deal with our spouses or we deal with our kids... Or we deal with anything else that, that any other frustration, we can worship God in doing that to say that you are the sovereign God over my life, and this is the foundation that I build everything else upon. Yes, I I think it. I think it definitely. The, the spirit will lead us in in times. Because there are definite times when, like, I've, I've had friends that will be driving past the, the Target parking lot, and they're on their way to somewhere else, and God says at that point, you need to go into Target and buy some milk. But, Lord, I don't need milk. Yes, but I want you to go to buy milk. Those are the times when the Spirit leads. But when we order ourselves in a place to allow this, and I'll, I'll be honest, I am not always the best at it. But as I've, I've probably reflected over the last several months, the times when I take the time to be reading the scripture, it doesn't take a lot of time. And, I'm, and I've, I've been accused of, of not being tolerant of people, not being understanding. But I'll tell you what, in the times when you remember when I, when I read through because I couldn't just stand in, in one little thing and went through the entire chapter of First Kings. And then the next time I went through the whole chapter of Second Kings because I just wanted to know more about that. If I spent more than an hour doing each one of those, I would miss my guess. That's an hour out of one day in two weeks. That amount of time that it took to be able to do that. If we realized how, and God blessed that to no end. God blessed. God revealed so many things through, that, through those scriptures. God was able to really impart that because that was the devotion was to, was to put, off, uh, put off Facebook, put off everything else that there was. Um, th- there was a lot of inspiration with that too. Bill had said that we needed to, to, to fast. So I decided to fast Facebook, which was probably the, the biggest obstacle to me and God some days. Or the rest of you and God, maybe too, if you've got the same addiction I do to it, but to take that and to really dig into it, there wasn 't a single scripture that didn 't sort of come out and say, This is something that I 'm doing differently, this is something that, that that really would bring me you know to a new place so okay, now that you got me off, <laughs> um, this coming out of out of Luke, Luke is a very different Uh, Not only writer, but Luke writes from a completely different perspective, too. It's it's out of Luke that we get things like, if you want to follow me, take up your cross, a symbol of, of death and shame and everything, take up your cross daily and follow me. The, the, the rich young ruler who says, says, What do I do in order to, what do I have to do in order to enter the, the kingdom of heaven? Well, you know, honor your father and your mother, obey the, the commandments, love your neighbour as yourself. Lord, I've done this from, from birth. You lack only one thing. Remember what it was? Sell everything you have and follow me. See, our, the, the obstacles, there's nothing wrong with, with having those things except when it becomes a barrier to following Christ. The, there were other times when basically he said, you know, he, he, he called someone to come follow him and he says, I've got to go bury my, my, my father. Let the, let the dead bury their dead. Uh, Well, I've got to to go to this family party. If you you do not hate your father and your mother, your brother, your sister, your kids, whatever else, in comparison to me, you are not worthy to be my disciple. It it was that kind of the drawing in the line that, that was in the book of Luke. But what also was in the book of Luke is the idea of bringing in what we call the least, the lost, and the lowly. Jesus basically kept going back and back into places and honoring up lifting up those who were the least of those the ones that were basically getting oppressed and and uh, marginalized put out on the on the sides and ignored the ones that were the lost the ones that basically had had completely lost their way in in following Christ in having a relationship with God with anything along those lines and the lowly and the lowly were the were the poor the the others the, the least would be women they they would be uh, cripples they would be lep, uh, lepers lepers not leopards okay um gotta put a little fun in there so in all of that that's where Luke comes in and as um, as I was studying through this there was one word that came out in all of the notes that word is effective. want you to remember that word effective going back to verse eight you will receive power and i'm going to just read parts of this the primary purpose of the baptism of the holy spirit by the way we're going to go in depth into the actual baptism of the holy spirit in the next couple of weeks but i'm just going to hit this here a little bit primary purpose of the baptism in the holy spirit is to provide power listen to this To communicate the message of Jesus to others. The purpose of the baptism is to receive power to deliver the message that those who do not have a personal relationship with God can receive his forgiveness, learn to follow Jesus, and fulfill his purposes for their lives. David Platt put it in this way, Our purpose is not to have a good marriage. Our purpose is not to have nice kids. Our purpose is not to have a nice house. Our purpose is to reach the least and the lost and the lowly. Our purpose is the same as Jesus' purpose. And this is really one that, that hits, I think, at the, the core of what we need to do is we get distracted by so many things in this world. And then we try to butt up our, our faith, our, our knowledge of the scriptures, which is woefully poor regardless of who we are. And then we try to, to put them all together and we say, okay, well, I'm going to say what I want to say and I'm going to justify it by whatever scripture I can put in when in the fact that, that it comes back, it doesn't match up anything with what Jesus would be doing. There was a, a book, and I'm going to say no relation, by Charles Sheldon. No relation i did have a charles sheldon as a grandfather but he didn't write books and out of this in his steps comes a uh, a very well-known catchphrase w w j d which stands for what would jesus do and it got it got put on bracelets it got put on bumper stickers it got put on emblems it got put on t-shirts it got put on everything that you could think of and the problem i ever have i have a hard time with following the crowd but wwjd back to its original is that we go back to what did jesus teach what did jesus do what did jesus say who did jesus reach Who did Jesus throw out of the temple? Who did Jesus call down for being giant religious, officially, you know, big jerks? What did Jesus do so that we can come up to that? Because the the fact of the matter is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is nothing more than receiving the same spirit that was within Jesus Christ when he was in ministry, you remember in, in Luke and some of the others, and I, I won't, I didn't sit, specific ones. Do you remember when Jesus told the disciples two by two to go out and, and talk to people and, and heal and to pray and do all these other things? And, and one, one demon-possessed person is just flipping out, and they're like all panicked, and Jesus comes upon them, and they said, we've done everything, in, a, in essence, and basically, Jesus does one thing, and he goes along his way, and the demon's out of him, and all things are good. And he said, why couldn't we do this? He said, "But well, this, is, this is the only one that comes through prayer. You see, the disciples were learning all sorts of things by following Jesus, but they were still very much uh, Matthew and Mark and John and Peter and and Jude and and Philip and Nathaniel and all those, they were still very much them. They just had some new knowledge in them. It wasn't until the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the descending of the Spirit upon them, after Jesus had ascended on the day of Pentecost. And I want you to note, Pentecost was not mentioned in here. Jesus did not say, on Pentecost, this will when this, this will be when this happens. They were being told, just like we are, to wait and the Spirit will descend upon you. It was at the time that I want you to also note, and this, this is where we'll get into the rest of, of Acts 1, but when Jesus says this, he gives a very open-ended place for them, and even when the, the we'll presume them as angels in white robes, say, what are you doing standing around, in short? The idea is you have preparation to do. Just because you're staying here doesn't mean you do nothing. And I think that sometimes the, the problem with with when we when we come to worship is we, we think that, that we have to, we're supposed to stay in a place. Staying in a place doesn't mean being passive. It does not mean being inactive. It means that it is a time that there is a coming calling and we need to prepare ourselves for it. Now, for the disciples, uh, they had a place where they needed to, to replace Judas. Judas, of course, now I... I don't know, I don't want to draw this out, but just for open-ended information. In the book of Acts, Judas's involvement and, and such is that he bought a field with the pieces of silver that he betrayed Jesus for, and then he fell, let's see if I can find the, the words here, Acquired a field of the reward of his wickedness and falling headlong, he burst open into the middle and all his bowels gushed out. Nice, nice thought, nice image, right? And one of the other, the, uh, the other passages, it gives that Judas, while, while still before Jesus suffers and, and dies and, and is, is crucified, not in that order, of course, um, that Judas comes to the to the the, uh, the sanhedrin comes to the pharisees and regrets you know i have i have betrayed innocent blood he shows signs of repentance and all of that and they said what business is it of us we we don't really care you got your payment you know go along your way and he hangs himself so i i so so in my mind the the, the end result is still the same but how does this come about and I, and I always want to bring that out, and that's for you to decide. And everyone has their own, and I'm pretty sure that Judas hanging himself is not Luke's testimony. And Luke tended to be a little more uh, involved in it, so maybe I'll believe Luke over the other. But we're just going to leave that out there. I just found that interesting, little tidbit. So Judas' Judas's position in the Twelve needs to be replaced. And so they bring up two. Uh, one is named... Um, Hold on, they name them all off. One is... Hold on, I found it. Okay. One is Joseph named uh, Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. They had been following. They had been with the disciples. They had been with them from the beginning. They basically just didn't have one of the twelve as their description. And these two people equal standing, equal everything else, if, if you want. There's no, there, there's no qualms about their qualifications. They pray to God because rather than decide amongst themselves, they pray to God and say, who do you want to take his place? And I want to bring out the idea that you and I can be, can be equally qualified for something And we can still be passed over because it is not God's will. The opposite is also true for that as well. We may be completely qualified for something and passed over because someone else's will, instead of praying for God to really discern, they decide to do their own way and they say, well, I can do that. I've I've been in several churches that was the whole thing it was well we have a democratic system it's our discernment we're all going to vote and they voted how they wanted to rather than necessarily how god was was discerning it i left the church about seven years ago 13 years ago sorry it's been a while And they were were continuing that they wanted to be able to keep this. They had had the same church and they had split and they had done all sorts of things and and worshiped their pastor. And the new one that came in had an affair and I had the, the luck of coming in afterwards. And it didn't take me 20 minutes to be there after worship and say, this is not going to end well. Because I believed I was within God's will, but I was in a place where it was going to be tested and it was going to be obvious what was going on. They were going to, to, to have to come to the, to the realization. They were either going to accept what God had, had given to them and what, what, had been pray, what they had prayed for and that God was faithful in doing that, or they were going to decide, eh, it must have been wrong, it must have been us. We should never be in a place where we have prayed for something earnestly where we are in doubt whether we have listened to the voice of God or not. I will, I will tell you from personal experience it is pretty apparent. First of all, scripture is going to match up with it. It's not going to be a, a, a you know contrary to what God's character is. It's not going to put you in a position where you're going something different than what God would be doing or what Christ would be doing in, in ministry. And the spirit is going to give discernment to doing that as well as confirming with others in the same way. We can choose our own way and we have that ability because we have free will. That doesn't mean, as Greg has said several times, that doesn't mean that God won't be, bring you blessings when you're outside of his will. It also doesn't mean you're not going to have troubles when you are within God's will. That was a hard thing to to understand, was that just because I was in God's will does not mean that everything was going to go peachy keen. But I want to draw out the idea that in Chu, they, they cho- chose Messiah, so that's of course where this was going. Matthias comes in, but the disciples have put themselves in a place where they have prepared. They were they had they had understood and decided they were to be 12. There was something about that number 12 that 11 was not going to be good enough. They needed an additional one to be able to do this, and they needed God's choice for who was going to do this because they were no longer going to be disciples. Their being disciples was ending as, as Jesus was ascending, and he said, you got a little bit of time, and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You will notice a marked change in the life of every one of those disciples and the others coming around at the time when the Spirit descends upon them and they are baptized in the Holy Spirit. They are no longer learners, they are doers. They have been not only given what they knew and what they understood, they now have the entire character, advice, counsel of Jesus Christ, whom they have followed and worshipped for the last three years. That is their identity. If we ever ask the question, well, how did Peter get better? Peter must have felt bad, and so he just had a change of heart. No, no, no. Peter had a change of spirit. Peter stopped being sorry. Peter stopped being Simon, and Peter started being Peter. Peter was not going to take adversity against God's Spirit as a personal attack, and we'll and we'll get to that in the in the coming weeks as well. But every one of them, with the exception of John, dies a very horrible death. For the sake of the gospel, including others that come in, and we, we find ones like the stoning of Stephen, which of course we'll get to too. Stephen had enveloped this idea that, that or not the idea, but he had enveloped so much and, and personified the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God and Jesus Christ and the character that his entire response to being persecuted and stoned to death was very identical to Jesus being hung on the cross nailed to it for the for sins for everything else so, Stephen was in that same place and the, the question that comes up and as we we bring this back do we reflect Christ is, is Christ being glorified in what we do? I think many times we, we turn this around and we go, well, I'm going to do, I'm going to, you know, God's going to do something and then I'm going to do this and it's going to bring God's glory. The problem is that we are not seeking to be in, in, in some times as the, the character of Christ within us because we have studied, because we have meditated, because we have been baptized, because of everything else that is ideal within that, in that, that power that was going to be given us. We are doing things without the power. There are, there are many times, and I, I'll admit, uh, not that Greg remembers. Greg, how many years ago was that I, that I was baptized here? Four years? Six? Okay. So let's say five years. You know, I can remember when I got baptized the first time with some sprinkling, but I can't remember otherwise. And. I was a baby at the first time. There was marked difference, and I'll, I'll get back to where I was going before. I, I tend to go a little further out, and I'm going to bring this up as an illustration. When I talk about John Wesley, John Wesley had been a minister for many years. We covered that. John Wesley had come into the colonies. He was in Georgia. He was preaching. He was, he was filled with, with authority. The, the church had sent him officially. Everything was, was just, just right. Found a girl. She didn't like him. He denied, denied communion to her. Everything that could go wrong was going wrong. He was, he was probably the most qualified missionary to the, to the colonies in the 1700s that anyone could be, and he was failing miserably. And he goes back across the seas, and these Moravians are, are the, the the boat is shaking, and all sorts of other things. And he's he's basically like mimicking the same as the as the the disciples when they're in the boat, and everything's shaking up and down, and the winds blowing, and everything else. And uh, and they're like, you know, Lord, the wind's shaking. Don't you care about us? Yeah, that kind of thing. And. And John Wesley is out of his gourd, afraid of what's going on. And here these Moravians are just sitting there praying away. They're praying to Jesus, giving him thanks for the, for the winds and the waves and for his provision and everything else. And there was something about them that was missing in him. And so he goes back. He's in he's in London. And he's walking along on the street. No, so I was going to say the street called Straight. That was another. That was Paul. Sorry, I've listened to a lot of things this week. And he's going down, and he's he's walking down um, Epworth, he, Epworth Street, and he goes into the a Lutheran church. Now, good, good um, Church of England minister. He walks into a Lutheran church because he starts hearing them talking. He could hear them from the street, and they're going over a Bible study on Romans. And he walks in and he's sitting there and he's listening. He's not involved, he's not talking, he's not doing anything else. And as they're going over the scriptures in Romans, he, he writes in his journals, I felt my heart strangely warmed. That would be what we would call the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit a minister that had studied, that knew everything that there was. He had done all the right things. He had said all the right things. He had been to all the right places. He had made everyone impressed with him. Everything was great. But he still flopped. And when he came back dejected, walks into a random church, and the Holy Spirit descends upon him in that time, and everything is different. Suddenly he starts seeing the, the poor and how they're being dejected. You've heard of the, the Spanish, uh, sorry, not Spanish, the French Revolution. French Revolution was essentially that the, that the peasants, the, the poor people rebelled against the aristocracy, all the rich people, the, the government, those types of things, and they came up and it was a, a big, big problem. England was in that same place. England had the same aristocracy, they still had the same monarchy, they had the same class system, and the poor people were hopeless, and when you take away someone's hope, they become desperate. And when they become desperate, they have nothing to lose. And Wesley was a, was a, a minister. He was appointed to a specific parish, and in the, in the, the Church of England, in, in the, the Catholic Church as well, you were given a parish a parish, you have specific guidelines, specific places that you can go, but he was going out to the, to the quarries, he was going out to, to seeing all these poor people, and he was standing up on the edge of a quarry and preaching, and his superiors were having a fit, because he wasn't doing it within the walls of the church, he wasn't doing it the way that he was supposed to, he wasn't paying attention to his parish, and we get things out of Wesley like, the world is my parish. For the church, and I'll wrap up because I realize I'm over. Our parish, our mission field, is the ends of the earth. That is the purpose. Our purpose is not Jerusalem. Our purpose is not Judea and Samaria. Our purpose is the ends of the earth. David Platt was talking about when they were trying to develop their church at Brook Hill that they were, that they were told in a you know, church planting class that you're supposed to find a target audience. Who is your target? Well, they wanted to have Brook Hill Bob. Brook Hill Bob would be middle class, and he's got some money, and maybe he's educated, or maybe he's a doctor, and he's in this this same area. And they decided that brook hill bob was not going to accomplish anything because all they would be targeting are people like brook hill bob instead of brook hill Bat- batu brook hill batu was not in brook hill brook hill batu was in africa but brook hill batu would never hear the gospel of jesus if they did not go to there we need to stop looking at what is immediately around us, what is the good enough, what can we get by with, and understand that God has a divine purpose in each one of us. If we were called to be a disciple, if we, were call, if we, if we felt the draw... It is likely because someone else that had the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, was able to convince us. There's a, there's a, a passage in here. Let me get to it here. It says, For, through spirit-filled Christians, they receive the power to communicate Christ's message with great effectiveness. There's that word again, effectiveness. We are called to be effective. And the only way that the church is effective is if the church is filled with the Spirit and the people within the church are baptized in the Spirit so that they have the power of Christ within them. So that they, have, they can be a witness. They are no longer reading it out of a book. They are no longer looking at it on, on, a, on an outside looking in thing. They are in the middle of it because they possess the power of the Holy Spirit that, God, that Jesus said would be upon them and upon us. This is the prescriptive story in Acts throughout the rest of the, the, the book is the testimony of the effectiveness of the church being began with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And every other that followed after that received the baptism of the Holy Spirit because that was the core. We have to stop accepting just bare minimum and taking it as this is what we do instead of this is who we are. If we are to call ourselves as disciples, no, 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 not disciples. I'm done being disciples to be apostles, to be making that kingdom difference in the world, not just in the lives of our neighbors, in the world. We have to earnestly seek out, we have to be intentional with what God wants us to do, not what we want to have done with us. It means that coming into worship means that we come in, we are ready, we are singing, we are praising, we are acknowledging that he alone is. Is worthy. That's where that, that whole despot, the, the praying to the Lord, the sovereign Lord, because he alone, say the word alone, alone is worthy to be praised. He alone is the one that brings us blessings. He alone is the one that gives us life. He alone is the one that will take us up. We have a whole country that has a lot of missionaries in a lot of different places, and God will that whatever the outcome is for them, that Christ would be glorified with their death or with their salvation. May they be the ones that are in Paul's place preaching and proclaiming the gospel to the end to those that persecute them. May we also consider that the suffering that comes about is going to be something that God will be glorified with so that we would give ourselves holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy to God instead of just little bits and pieces for a Sunday morning. Imagine what it would be like for you and I to be living in the spirit seven days a week, 24 hours a day, every day of our lives and the power that God would flow through us and the witness we could give to his power we're going to look in the in the coming coming weeks but I just want us to to take this and to to put in our minds that our aim is to be an effective church what's our aim an effective church we're to be the body of Christ effective in bringing people to him can we pray can we pray Sovereign Lord, you alone are worthy to be praised. You alone have sent your spirit upon us to receive. And Lord, we have been unfaithful.